0: Hello everyone, welcome to Typhoon Talks, brought to you by Typhoon Consulting, a boutique management consultancy headquartered in Hong Kong. My name is Chen Yang and I'm a consultant here with the firm. There's much talk about the future of work. Increasing uncertainty has come as a result of economic pressures, technological advancement and demographic shifts. Stemming from the need to remain agile, both from the employer's and employee's perspective, the gig economy continues to thrive however it also brings along a series of issues from the culture and the legal perspectives as we look forward to the continuous development of the gig economy joining me today is nick la co-founder and ceo of melbourne-based startup weplaw WePLOW provides online demand staffing solutions to organizations by simplifying the end to end process with a user friendly tech centric platform. Recently, WePLOW also closed a round of 2 million US dollars. Welcome, Nick. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. So, Nick, you have an extensive background in the hospitality sector, from training to management. In hospitality businesses, it's more common to have a mix of permanent and temporary employees, which must have given you some early insights into the struggles of on-demand staffing. How has your experience in hospitality shaped your perspective in starting Weplaw? Yeah, so that's
1: that's a really good question, actually. I think my hospitality experience has given me a lot of insights, into the importance of being agile one a lot of hospitality businesses operate quite lean and are highly optimized and this is because of uh, smaller margins so restaurants and bars generally cover quite dense clientele and that's how they reap the rewards yeah um, so i think the learning from that like being agile being lean has really translated into like starting Waypoint being a tech company
0: Right. So there are a lot of similar businesses, like Upwork, which focused on um, projects, and Fiverr's p- focusing on gigs. So WePoor focuses on connecting temporary stuff with enterprises. Why did you choose to focus on organizations instead of freelancers?
1: For us, it, it was because how the current trend for the gig economy was. The main difference is that our employees or are actually our employees, so they're actually casual employees of ours. The reason for this is that we do believe in investing into our community, and this will enable us to retain the best talent. A lot of these other platforms work on a contractor model, um, where the contractor is responsible for their own taxes, the insurances, rather than focusing on what, what matters at hand
0: so as an emerging sector shared economy business often come with a lot of challenges such as individual safety service quality promotion of users thickness tax and regulation etc what do you see as the biggest challenge in weplaw's business model and how are you addressing them
1: yeah i guess from conception to now our biggest challenge for weplaw will be employment law and the reason why i say that is because the current state of employment law wasn't written for this gig economy. This is something that we're kind of dealing on a daily basis. The current economy is being highly scrutinized uh, due to sham contracting, uh, contractors being underpaid and taken an advantage of. So, we're, how we're addressing this is that we employ or engage all of our employees or we employees under a casual employment contract
0: so do you talk to regulators a lot because i can see that it's not a problem just for gig economy it's the same for any other emerging we, technologies
1: we do we, we work very closely with um state and federal government i think we see in australia uh, there is a company called fedora um, i think it's a, a brainchild of delivery. yeah uh, they've, they've been caught up employee classification lawsuit so by 2020 the australian government Has requested for them to exit the country. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's because due to taxes, uh, employee compensations. So we do work with local government, we do work with big firms, legal firms, with uh, employee law as well.
0: And do you see it necessary to engage regulators early on or uh, engage them only when you have problems? No,
1: no. So we, we definitely have a lot of use cases and case studies that we do work with law firms regarding employment law. So we do engage from the very beginning. We always have our, I guess, our figure on the pulse of what the, the regulatory state is or what's happening within um, the employment law.
0: Oh, that's cool. So Australia has a huge market size for temporary staff service industry. And yeah. as a Melbourne-based company, do you plan to break into any other countries in the near future? Oh,
1: that's, a, that's a pretty loaded question, I guess. Um, right now, we are focused on Melbourne and Sydney. Yeah. Um, and the reason why we're only focusing on Melbourne and Sydney is because we are still looking for product and market here, I guess, until we find out we wouldn't consider opening another market. Like a lot of startups like, uh, die due to premature scaling. Mm-hmm. So, but if I had to peak, we, we would probably move within within the white collar space, but up the vertical within the professional space. Right now we do support, I um, see. but if I had to have a magic wand, then I'd probably move up the professional space.
0: What are the challenges of breaking into other regions?
1: there's a lot of complexity so we recently um, went to Hong Kong to uh, attend Rise uh, yeah that's we
0: got yeah top
1: three. so we work with PwC in Australia but when we went to PwC in Hong Kong the complexities and the challenges are completely different like there's cultural difference there's diversity there's language uh, you name it the, I think uh, Asia as a marketer on its own is a a complete different beast. Like I think Mm. China alone has the population way bigger than what Australia is, right? Yeah. Um, So we identified really quickly that if we were going to move to another country, then it would probably be uh, the monarch or like British colonized, like maybe the UK or America, where like the employment law is not too different from Australia.
0: I see, I see. So it's still driven by regulation.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Okay, so um, according to a research report released earlier this year, 65% of hiring managers say that the gig economy is rapidly becoming the new normal. In the APAC region, 84% of hiring managers hire gig workers, which sets it above the global adoption curve, What have been the main drivers for an increased demand for an agile workforce from the employer and employee perspective?
1: Yeah, so this is a very hot topic within the HR right now. So you always talk about contingent work, being agile and the future work. These are the three things that all HR leaders are talking about now and what are you doing about about it now. So there's a study from Deloitte Mm -hmm. uh, that stated like the contingent workforce by 2020 will be roughly around 40 to 50%. Um, the reason why people like, or companies like Weploy exist is able organizations to flex up and down as required um, and this, this is due to um, like you know, the workforce just always changing. So there's like, the, it used to be like the, the big fish eating the small fish, but um, like recently economic forum stated that uh, it's no longer the big fish that eats the small fish, but mm. it's the fast fish that eats the slow fish. Yeah. And we can already see it with uh, all of our clients. Um, our clients are trying to figure out ways to have this competitive edge. Um, so a lot of them are leveraging how to utilize this contingent workforce and how how they can be more agile. And but the people that we engage in, like, uh, this is a choice for them. Like. Um, if you look back 10 years ago, people aren't choosing to be a temporary worker. You know, it's something that you can either dab in or not. Uh, what we see today is that we have a lot of people opting to be this contingent workforce where they have a lot of flexibility, uh, where they can live to work.
0: You're right. I'm working in a boutique consultancy and what we are doing a lot of times is also to provide an interim replacement for other companies. So do you think your business is the future model of the existing consultancies?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. We see the future of work. People are trying to work to live, you know. But I really think in the future, a lot of work will be project-based. Like you're going to be able to choose multiple projects throughout the year and engage within that model rather than people doing a job nine to five, working for one company. I really do believe that people are going to be working for multiple organizations, working on project base.
0: That brings another question of company culture, because while companies understand the importance of adopting an agile workforce, they also value their company culture, and hiring temporary staff not only poses inconsistency in quality, but culture fit. What would you say in response to these concerns to the gig economy?
1: There's two ways to see it, I guess. Um, When you talk about the gig economy, if you're looking at a culture fit, the gig economy for short-term roles, culture fit isn't really weighed heavily. And when I say that, like let's say if your receptionist called in sick, you're not really going to look for someone with culture fit to kind of do or service that need, right? Uh, But when it does come into that long-term role, culture fit does come in. Like if it's if the job goes from three to six months, you obviously want to want someone in there that that really can fit with the wider team, work um, work together, really fit in. From what we see right now at Weeper, we see a lot of things that are were mandated are slowly changing. So we see a lot of organisations putting psychometrics testing, mm-hmm. and the reason why they put that in like uh, stuff like resilience, learning agility aptitude, cognitive thinking is really coming into a play. Companies like PwC are phasing out CVs because they're not looking for someone with the most experience, but rather they're looking for transferable competencies or skills that can be adopted within their organisation. I see that in Asia right now. We went to Vietnam not long ago and now KPG is now just introducing psychometrics
0: testing. And do you think that's a better approach?
1: I don't know if it's a better approach. It's definitely a Way. Um the data that we have is still not as big enough until for, for, we know it's proven yet. Mm-hmm. CVs work for a reason. But I do think uh, when you're looking for someone to do the job, I think it needs to be data-driven. So just because someone has 10 years of experience within business admin doesn't mean they're going to do it competently. That's and true. we see this with a lot of our employees. like, I, I, I'll use myself as an example, like, a lot of our employees can probably do a pivot table much better than me, and that's, that's <laughs> tech that grew up on tech. Yeah.
0: yeah. when we speak of gig economy jobs, like temp jobs, words like unstable or unsustainable immediately come up. Do you think the development of the gig economy has made such jobs a sustainable career path for Gen Z? Why or why not? I
1: definitely think it is going to be sustainable. Um, right now, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg for what we are seeing today. So for example, if you looked at Airbnb, let's say five, six, seven years ago, like asking to rent from someone's house, a stranger's house is quite a weird thing. Let's look at Uber right now. Mm-hmm. Like if I asked you a while ago, would you jump in a stranger's car? Then. Yeah you know, you probably say, oh, that's pretty crazy. But yeah. Like, that is the norm now. So I definitely think it will be sustainable. Right now, I think there's a lot of learnings uh, for companies to learn or develop as well. Weepro is one of them. Where every day we're trying to figure out a better way to do things and how do we make it a norm for gig economies or people within our community to, once they jump on our platform, how do we utilize their capacity and help them find work.
0: Yeah, I think a big challenge for your platform is that you always have to provide a better user experience. If the freelancers can't get enough work from your platform, then you're losing your users gradually.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So we see our goal goal is to focus on what matters and to enable a employee to once they sign up with us, walk out the door, turn on the app and be able to get a job immediately.
0: Yeah. So, on your platform, from the enterprise perspective, are they big companies or small and medium companies?
1: It's really funny that you said we range from SMEs all the way to enterprise level. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so we, we have companies that are you know zero to 50 uh, okay. employees that use us on a kind of like a reactive name where a receptionist calls it C. And they ping out a job and someone will come there within you know, the next two hours. Mm. Or we have medium to large enterprises as well, where they use us from four hours up to 10 months uh, on, a, on a more operational need. And like this is how we look at um, more optimization. For example, how do we get teams to do more high-value work? and get that support
0: that they need enable for them to do that. And apart from matching employers with employees, do you provide any other benefits to the temporary staff?
1: Yeah, so we look after their super, their insurance, their work cover as well. We do ensure that all of our temporary workers get paid up above award rate. That's something that we do. And um, also, we're also looking at uh, increasing this remuneration as well. To 12% as well. So, we really want to make sure that our contingent workers really understand what it is to be a contingent worker, what do they need to, how do they save money and look after their future needs as well. Right.
0: And my last question is going to be about regulation. While a gig economy worker could be categorized as an employee on Australian fair work laws, most can't get basic employee rights and entitlements. Like redundancy or sick and other leave entitlements. In your view, how will regulations such as labor and tax laws and workers' rights evolve to the gig economy?
1: In Australia, right now, like um, we did, definitely think gig economies will be in a class of its own, and that that's because like like I said before, employment law wasn't written for this gig economy. Where a lot of gig economies, like your your Fivers or your Upwork's, where they kind of Falling in or falling behind is because they are working within specific industries where it's heavily unionized unionised. We we saw this with uh, Air Tasker in Australia where they had to make uh, they had to settle for an agreement with the with the unions. Mm. Uh, but we see right now that uh, there is a, a tentative bill that's been talked about for the gig economy right now, and we see this we've seen this happen like in other industries like the hotel or the taxi industry.
0: I see. To wrap up this episode, would you mind giving our listeners three key takeaways from today's episode?
1: Choose which platform that's going to look after you. Uh, Choose carefully because there's a lot of platforms out there right now. Focus on what matters. So what are you trying to achieve to be a part of this? Deep economy and uh, really sell yourself. What are you go? What are you offering for the gig economy and hustle? Those are probably my key giveaways.
0: Right. Thank you very much. That wraps up today's episode of Typhoon Talks. Uh, thank you for having me. Follow us on Facebook iTunes and SoundCloud at Typhoon Talks for more podcast episodes. Also, please visit our website at www.typhoonconsulting.com for more industry points of view. We hope you will join us again next time.